0: All right, we're about to get this thing going. We're about to pray uh, and have my bros on. So I'm going to pray real quick, have my bros on, let y'all know what we're about to uh, discuss. Um, so, well, I'll just tell you now, we're talking about sonship disrupted, how sin disrupted our relationship with ourselves. We don't talk about our relationship with ourselves too much. See what I'm saying? The church, you know what I'm saying? You know, we know about how to live our best lives, but what about this brokenness, this conflict that we have with sin? The struggle that we have with this thing, you know, not a lot of transparency in that area. We talk about what we used to struggle with, but we don't talk about sometimes that current struggle that we have with sin. And we're going to deal with that tonight. I got my brother, Justin, and some of my band of brothers going to jump on and get this thing popping. So let's pray real quick. Um, Dear Lord, we just thank you for this time. Thank you that you've given us a privilege. What what a privilege it is to even discuss, to think about, to, to meditate on your word I pray that you just make us sober-minded. Make us sober-minded, God. There's so many distractions going on, even good distractions, distractions of careers and our ambitions, God. I pray that you settle our hearts right now, um, that we're focusing on you and seriously be aligned with your spirit, God. Uh, So much that's appealing to our flesh, so much that is pricking our flesh, but if we could just lock in with your spirit, oh God, uh, uh, and get an opportunity to be intimate with you, oh God, the reward is in in the intimacy. So we thank you for this time. Thank you for everyone that's gonna tune in. I come against every uh, nagging spirit of the enemy, every distracting spirit of the enemy that will cause people to turn away from what you might have for them, oh God. I pray people are gonna walk away blessed, delivered, set free, after this live, oh God, and continue to grow um, consistently with you. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. All All right, let's see who else said hi. Let me be a nice guy today. Let me see who else said hi. That's awesome Waves coming through. Okay, I see Justin. He's the main guy that we need on here. Look at your boy. It's falling off my custom stand. You know, I had a uh, stand, and then I don't see it anymore. Justin, you're going to have to yeah, uh, yeah. Join or request to join because I can't even click your name. All right, Justin, and I'm gonna set you loose. I'm gonna, you know, let you get in on it. Justin will be a new face for some of you. Justin is on fire for the Lord, man. This man brings so has brought so much wisdom, encouragement, and life to Band of Brothers, and I cannot wait for you to give us a small slip. You're not giving us the whole thing; you're just giving us <laughs> yeah. kind of like a chunk of, you know, what you share with us in summer in a summarized way. It was so much revelation that came from it. Um, but, you know, I'm about to let you loose to, to do your thing, man, and then we'll we'll chop it up whoever jumps on.
1: All right, cool. What's up? Yeah, like, like you said, my name is Justin or, or JT Singletary, um, and we're just going to talk about um, the inward battle that we face. Uh, and just we're going to hop into Genesis 3, 5, 11, and, and go through that really quickly. Uh, in Genesis, it talks about uh, when Satan is tempting Adam and Eve He says, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And this is the lie that Adam and Eve internalized. And this is what birthed what we call the sin nature or the flesh or or the carnal mind. And this was the time when, in, in Genesis, where as humans, we only knew God, so we only knew good. But when Satan introduced this lie, and this doubt and we accepted it, it changed our relationship with God and it even changed our relationship with ourselves because we made Satan as a humanity, Adam being the operative person for our humanity, we made him our lowercase, we made Satan our lowercase g God because Satan is the one who is intimate with both good and evil. So that tree of knowledge and good and evil, when we consumed that fruit, because we have all consumed this lie in one way or another, we have now, we bear two images. We are image bearers of God, of Yahweh, because He breathed His life into us. But when we consume this lie, we bear the Satan. And that is what is the sinful, um, oh, did it freeze?
0: Yes, uh, a little. It broke up a little. You said bear, we bear two images.
1: Yeah, we bear two images. We bear the image of Yahweh because he breathed his life into us. And so we are image bearers of God. But we also, because we we, we all have uh, fallen short of the glory of God, we have all um, consumed the knowledge of good and evil, we are also, oh, hopefully, it's, is it frozen again? Ho- we are also image bearers uh, of Satan in our sinful nature because that nature is like him. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 11, oh, hello, is it working? Yeah, it's good, you're good. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen talks about this uh, because it says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And so we have to understand this mixture of the knowledge of good and evil is one of the, the core things that Satan uses to change our inner nature. Um, and it goes on in in, um, in verse six, where it talks about how Eve and Adam both ate the fruit. Um, Adam was right there with Eve. And so he's really the one responsible. The scripture says Eve was deceived. Adam was not. But what happened is that when they ate this fruit, it changed their nature and the order was reversed because the serpent um, in Genesis was a physical creature. Um, And so that physical creature now had dominion over both man and woman because they were obedient to the serpent. And so this changed their relationship with God, changed their relationship with one another, and it made them ashamed of themselves. Uh, And what's important is because our sinful nature is a dual nature because we submitted to two things. We submitted to the physical serpent and we submit it to the spiritual serpent, uh, and this is what Revelation twenty verse two talks about. In Revelation, it says that the serpent of old is called the devil or Satan, and that's a spiritual being, a, a fallen angel in rebellion against God. But when we look at the curse that that God says in response to the serpent uh, in Genesis three fourteen, uh, the first parts of Genesis three fourteen. Talk about this physical serpent. Actually, I'll, I'll pull it up real quick um, just to read it. Because um, I think this this is, I would say, the, the, the key, one of the key takeaways that I think we should understand uh, in this passage. In Genesis three fourteen, it says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And so the reference there is to the cattle and to the beasts of the field, which are created beings. And so that's a physical being that came and tempted them. But this physical being was more cunning than the other animals, but it was in partnership with this the fallen angel, Satan. And we see this from Genesis 3.15, where it says, and, so there's that conjunction, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed, and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus in John, I think it's 8, talks about how, or John eight, he says that those who do not follow him are children of the devil. And so the, the serpent seed are, are spiritual. It's all of those who are in a rebellion against God. And so we see that this creature uh, or this spiritual uh, rebellious spirit is the second part of Genesis 3.15. And so what does this mean? Our rebellion is dual. And so the sinful nature, uh, there's an animalistic part of our sinful nature. And then there's uh, this part of our sinful nature that is from this rebellious angel, this evil Elohim, this lowercase g, God. And so this this is really important to understand because we have to now know how do we conquer this both this animalistic part of our nature and this rebellious part of our nature that is spiritual because every single person in existence has a sinful nature. Jesus is the only one to perfectly overcome it. Everyone else has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And even as blood-washed believers of Jesus, we still have to deal with this nature. So some practical applications for dealing with this nature, uh, as I close up this part, and then we talk about kind of the dialogue, is we need to be praying in the spirit. Why? Because this is a spiritual problem. Praying in the spirit, we can pray. It says in the scripture, we pray in our spirit and we pray in our understanding. So when we, when we speak in tongues, that's one of the ways that we pray in the spirit. It talks about in Jude one twenty when we pray in the spirit, it, it, we're praying from the spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 14.4 and, and, 4 and 14 through 15, when we pray in the spirit, we strengthen our inner man. And our inner man is our soul. Our soul is comprised of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So when we pray in the spirit, we're praying according to the Holy Spirit. And when our spirit is in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, it's perfect prayer that goes up to the throne room of God. And and, and this also refines our spirit to be more image bearing um, to, to God's spirit. Because we, even as Christians, Outwardly, it says we waste away inwardly. We're being renewed day by day. So we have to crucify the flesh daily. We have to pick up our cross daily because even as spirit filled believers, there's still a part of us that is trying to rebel. And so we have to have these practical applications that kill the flesh. Another practical application of killing the flesh is fasting. When we fast, and Isaiah 58 is a good chapter that talks about fasting. We afflict our souls. We humble ourselves before God. And we humble this part of us that, that wants to be God, that animalistic nature. You know, so that desire to, to, to fornicate, the desire to, to overeat, the desire to be lazy, the desire to do all those different things. Uh, when we fast, we, we discipline and we say, no, Yahweh is the God of our souls and our bodies. We are not God and we humble ourselves, and this brings us closer to God and, ma- and makes us be more in the image of Christ. Uh, we see this, we, I won't go into it now, but we see this in Luke 4, uh, when, when Jesus faces the temptation in the desert, that's a very good example of what he did. The reason why he had so much authority is because he overcame his flesh, and that's what Satan tried to tempt him with, and when he overcame that, it gave him authority to do power signs, miracles, and, 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 and it gave him and authority to really release the work of God in Israel. So fasting is that other piece. That third and one of the most important pieces is abiding in the word of God. Uh, Jesus constantly talks about not just reading the word, but abiding in the word, because Jesus is the living word of God, according to John one. And when we are in the living word of God, and we are abiding in him in his presence and we are reading the word not just for knowledge but for application where scripture says faith without deeds is dead when we when we are looking at the scripture for application and, and we are trying to conform ourselves to the image of christ through scripture that is abiding in the word and so those three spiritual practices are three very practical ways where we can destroy the sinful nature uh, that this, this, this dual nature of this animalistic nature and this evil Elohim, evil angel nature from Satan. Uh, and so that's kind of a summary of what we went over uh, this past Sunday.
0: May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the benediction, we might as well just close on out. <laughs> what? Bro, but you got to before we even talk. Yeah. Even if it's just a snippet, man. And my brother did a spoken word just for it was a treat for the band of brothers. Yeah. But if you could take us to that last part where you start to go into the alliteration and where it builds up, be right before that that part. Get to that build up Okay. there's something in there that's gonna set somebody free. <laughs> okay. You want me to do up to that part? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Get wherever you're led in that area, but because I don't know if we have time to go through the whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I won't go past that part because it's long. (laughs) Um, Oh, Holy Spirit, lead the way. Okay. Can we trust the heart? Oh, sorry. This spoken word is called, can we trust the heart of God? Can we trust the heart of God? That is the question our own hearts ask and have asked since the beginning of time can god's heart be trusted to find the answer we must go back to our beginning not the beginning but our beginning you see we began in the garden an unparalleled paradise where adam and eve walk with god i mean can you imagine hearts knowing nothing but god's love pure hearts innocent hearts, trusting hearts, so childlike and so simple, untainted because intimacy with God was all that they had ever known. A God who knew them and a God who was known by them, glorious, beautiful, magnificent, awe-inspiring, warm, kind, playful, gentle, strong. That is what we were. That is what our fellowship with God looked like and so it once was but it was lost. We were lost and we lost everything. Satan slithered into Eden and then into the heart of Eve and then Adam and they didn't just bite the fruit. They bit the hand that fed them. God gave them their hearts and they gave their hearts to another. God gave them life and they believed in the lie that life could be found elsewhere. So naive, so rebellious. But are we not the same? We were children once wide-eyed and full of wonder, full of innocence, full of youth, filled with life. Laughter resounded from our lips. Our eyes were filled with hope. And we believed that we could do anything and that there were no limits to our dreams. But something changed. Something shifted. We were approached with a lie. A doubt was handed to us, and we accepted it. And when we indulged in the lie that Satan fed us, we made him our Father, our Lord, our Savior. And so when we heard God's voice and we ran and hid because we too were naked and ashamed. So I ask you, can we trust the heart of God? That has been the story that has unfolded throughout the history of mankind. Can we trust the heart of God? The answer is yes. And let me tell you why. It is because he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Ancient of Days. He is the Anointed One. He is the Author of Peace, Eternal Salvation, and our faith. He is the Bread of Life and the Breath of Life. He is our Bridegroom. He is the Cornerstone, the Carpenter, the Captain of Salvation. He is the Commander, the Chosen One, the Consuming Fire, the Counselor, the Christ. He is the deliverer, the door, and the dwelling place. He is excellent, the elect one, the everlasting father, and the eternal God. He is firstborn. He is the foundation, the fortress, and the fountain of the living water. He is a gentle whisper. He is goodness. He is the good shepherd. He is our great high priest forever. He is the glory and God over all. He is the head of the body and the church, the holy one, our hope and the heir to all things. He is the I am. He is the Emmanuel and our intercessor. He is the judge and the just one. He is Jehovah. He is our keeper. And he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords, the lamb of God, the last Adam, the lawgiver, the leader of life the light of the world, and the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is our maker, our majesty on high, our masterful mediator who is merciful. He is the Messiah. He is the Nazarene. He is the offspring of David, the only begotten son, our Passover lamb, our peace. He is the one. He is the purifier and the propitiation, the prince of life. He is our physician and our portion. He is the quickening spirit. He is the root of David. He is the ruler. He is the rock. He is our redeemer and our refuge. He is the rewarder. He is the righteous one. He is the resurrection. He is the son of David, the son of man, and the son of God. He is the servant. He is the seed, our savior, our source, our strength, our shield, our stronghold. He is the temple. He is the truth. He is the vine. He is the wonderful. He is the word. He is the way. And he is Yahweh. Yahweh.
0: What? <laughs> what? Yo, look, when I first heard this thing, I was just, first of all, did you, like, did you redo it or did you write it for that particular sermon that you taught?
1: First no, part? no, I, di- I didn't change it. I, God gave it to me a few years ago, so it just kind of came to my head. So, I wrote it down. So
0: it's so crazy, y'all. Well, I met this dude when we did, uh, well, the officially met him when we did the Band of Brothers uh, Restored. Yeah. And he told me that, you know, God has called him to write a book on sonship and restore, God restoring sonship. And I was like, dude, what? All right. <laughs> and so when we invited him to 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 speak and lead uh, with B.O.B., he was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to throw in a spoken word that I wrote. I mean, I had a few years ago. When I say it was so spot on with like culminating everything plus more revelation, and I, I, I almost thought, okay. You tailored it to fit the discussions because there are literal <laughs> lines in there that sound like things that we've already discussed. But put that to the side, <laughs> bro. I still, I still caught on late. I caught on on the H's and I yeah. realized, oh, he just did F's. So do you start? You start on? You start on alpha? Yeah, I start A, A to Z. Well,
1: well, I didn't. I didn't. Do A to C, did A
0: to Y. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> that was really great man and not Thank just great you. it's powerful and not just powerful but it it it's it's transformational in that it takes us through. It helps us to see and grants us that hope, man. I, I really, really, really love that. I don't even feel like there's room to discuss after you share that stuff. It's just so good. So I need wow. you to record it for YouTube because I'm sure some people are going to want the link at one point, and I want to be able to, uh, to broadcast that, man. That's amazing, bro. Oh,
1: okay, I- I'll definitely do that. And all glory to God, and, and I just want to say thank you even for uh, giving the opportunity to serve in this capacity. Yeah, it, it was so crazy when we met because I didn't know that the event was going to be about sunship. I just knew that God told me to go. So I was like, OK, I, when I hear to go, I go. So when I went, and, and I was like, this is about sonship. I'm like, and everything is lining up with the stuff that God's been kind of doing in my life and showing me over these past few years. I was like, whoa. I was like, this is truly just Holy Spirit moving. So wow. yeah, that's why when we were talk- when, when you said to do inward, I'm like, oh. I was like, I think this piece works for inward.
0: So it's just aligning, aligning. That's why I love the spirit of God. Yeah. When the spirit of God works, you realize that, you know, there's a master engineer behind this all, man. And you yeah. think that happenstance, you think that we got some good logic and skill, and you realize he's doing this thing. So I'm sorry, we having our own little moment right <laughs> now. But let's, let's open this up. You mentioned something that I think is, and Band of Brothers, go ahead and tap in, that I think is really, really interesting. And I I don't know if we're going to tap into that, but you talked about this dual nature of sin. Mm-hmm. i've never heard that before that in us or our adam and eve uh or mankind taking in or accepting the lie of satan through that serpent um by default or inadvertently we basically uh surrendered our dominion and authority yeah. and now have allowed the the spirit of that whole situation to to for us to be subject. And so now it's really, really interesting that you say this animalistic nature and this rebellious nature, and both of those things are things that we battle with. So if you if you've ever lived in sin and and if you don't haven't lived in sin, then you ain't lived. But if you've <laughs> ever lived in sin, you know that there's, you know, you gotta be able to look at this thing and say, this is uh uh-uh, uh this is not this is not God. Yeah. The lack of self control. This is not God. Like, and it's so easy to to you know to get caught up in your pride until you realize, man, I'm acting like an animal. Mm-hmm. I'm acting like an animal. I always, you know, tell brothers like you know, animals are are are, are creatures of nature. They mm-hmm. move and they're led by instinct. That's yeah. what separates us as divine beings who have uh, a our spirit is literally imparted, our image is imparted by the living God. We have the capacity and the invitation to move with this ability to hear from him. So we don't have to be moved by our instinct. And so while, you know, if you listen to science, scientists, they'll tell you we are mammals or we are animals and we are creatures of instinct. You know that the way the laws are made politically, we can't be always led by instinct because yeah. if I feel like choking you instinctively, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to choke you, but I'm going <laughs> to go to jail, right? Yeah. So so we know for a fact that morality in and of itself is a divine call to yeah. live above the dust. Yes. To live above the dust. And so I, wanna, I want you to talk about that just a little bit um, mm-hmm. About that animalistic nature, and you know how that plagues us on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes we're so blinded to it, and we we cover it up, and we mask it up, and we put a suit on it, and we put makeup on yeah. it. But this thing is still there, and it's thriving.
1: Yeah. Um, well, Holy Spirit, help, help me to say this in the best way. Um, <clears throat> I would say this: like the sinful nature, it's it's dual in the sense of animalistic, and we actually see the language. All throughout the bible so even if i don't know maybe someone hasn't expressed it the way i have but it is actually something that we see codified or, or written throughout the bible we see it with cain and abel uh god even used the language sin is crouching at your door and its desire is to have you and that having is like a dominion over you because we as as, as humans you know even god to the animals he blessed him said be fruitful be mul- to multiply the unique part of of being sons of God is us having dominion. And so um, that dominion is is what makes us different. I won't go too much into that because that's a a further part, but we lost that that inward nature is we have now almost subverted back to this lesser uh, part uh, of of ourselves. We've subverted uh, through submitting to the serpent to now being dominated by our animalistic or not even our an animalistic nature that was not natural to us so this sinful nature um, almost think of it like a disease it's foreign it's a foreign host that's now a part of us it's not natural to who we are we were made in the image of God meaning we were meant to have dominion over all things animal related but now there's this thing that's in us that's trying to have dominion over us uh, and so even a great example of it, actually, that I don't, I don't, I haven't heard or anything about, but I, I don't hear too many things. But Nebuchadnezzar, when when the when the angels pass judgment on him, the watchers pass judgment on him, or God passes judgment on him. To keep it simpler, he actually reverts to being like an animal, and he literally has animalistic things. And until he repents and looks towards heaven, that's when he's restored to his right mind. So even when you see people not in their right mind, uh, sometimes that can be from he had in nebuchadnezzar specifically he had so much pride so again that sinful nature that comes from the fallen angels right that the judgment on him is that he lost dominion he was not able to rule his kingdom and became like an animal until he looked towards heaven and then god restored him so it's actually when you look at that mixture of that uh, the rebellion and the pride and then, this, and then giving into this animalistic nature they go hand in hand and often the problem is we can focus on maybe one aspect of it or the other but both things need to be understood that way we may go to war against them and understand how it is that the enemy is trying to attack us because the, the flesh or the sinful nature cannot be overlooked the Bible says that we are in enmity the sinful nature is in enmity against God it 's hatred against God, it wars against God, so as much as we have to be aware of the devil and as much as we have to be aware of the influence of the world, uh, the, the greatest thing that we truly have to be delivered by delivered from is that sinful nature, and we again see it even with the disciples because it 's so key to spiritual maturity. The twelve apostles were able to drive out demons, they were able to heal the sick, they were doing all of these things yet when when the where Jesus was separated from them was in his uh, conquering of the sinful nature because when it came time for them to pray because their sinful natures were still strong, they fell asleep. And then when it came time, they ran like an animal. When danger came, they, they had to run like animals. And so that is what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is that we would walk according to the Spirit, like it says in Galatians, and not according to the flesh. And and part of the Spirit of God uh, is not just speaking in tongues, which is, I think, crucial not just casting out demons, healing the sick, which I think is crucial, but a conquering of that sinful nature. Because only the spirit of God can conquer that animalistic part of our nature and also conquer that rebellious part of our nature, that prideful part of our nature that comes from Satan himself. Bro, and I hope that brings a bit more, more clarity One, to it.
0: 100%. Bro, teach Amen.
1: us. Teach us. Come on, John. <laughs> John, we all unleash.
0: At least both of y'all, man. Come on, I, I shouldn't say at least since we talk about animals. But.
2: <laughs> All right, go ahead. No, it's good, man. I mean, obviously today we're talking about inward. We're talking about inward, how sonship has been disrupted inward. And, and um, you know, Satan didn't come and tempt people that were degenerate. He didn't come and tempt people that were unsaved, right? Um, he came and tempted Eve. Who was in her perfect state he came and tempted jesus who was in his perfect state right um and so when we talk about sonship disrupted and what it means to be a child of god inwardly right we're talking about us as the people of god and how the enemy works to try to usurp that he already has the world the world is his already we're talking about how, at times, our sonship, how our relationship with God can be disrupted, how a lack of trust can get in there upward. And now we're talking about inward and what happens to us inward. And and Justin hit it perfectly today in terms of the result of um, this inward uh, relationship with ourselves and with God, how that's disrupted by us giving into sin and now adapting this sinful nature um and now you know wrestling with and and operating out of this sinful nature this animalistic nature of sin right and i think one of the one of the one of the ways that this began where we see the the first break happen at in this from this inward standpoint was when they began to be ashamed of how they were created. They began, to, they, they began to be ashamed. They began to question really who they were. Am I enough? And, and, and we see Satan, that's how Satan gets at them first with the, with the line of questioning and, and, and really accusation against God. God knows that you'll be just like him, right? He told Jesus, if you are the son of God, right? It's it's all putting a question mark on our identity. Jesus didn't believe the lie, but Eve did. And a lot of us do, right? We talk about in, inward, inward. What's going on inward? What causes us to engage in sin, to, to uh, come into agreement with this sinful nature, right, with this animalistic nature? And that is that, we are not enough. we aren't enough. God isn't enough in us that I need to engage in whatever illicit behavior because that's what's going to bring me pleasure that's what's going to bring me joy that's what's going to bring me contentment that's what's going to give me fulfillment right Eve if you eat of the tree you'll be, you, you'll be just like God you'll be able to attain something that you aren't something more than where you're at and we know that what eve realized after the fact that she was deceived she said the serpent deceived me because i already she was saying i already was completing you you know what i'm saying and so when we talk about this inward it's like how are we how are we seeing ourselves and we've been speaking on this a lot kind of hitting on this a lot throughout our conversations this this sense of identity and kind of how we see ourselves understanding that we are loved by god um, understanding that we are forgiven by god but it's such a critical piece that the devil is after the devil wants us to believe that our identity is tied to everything but god and if he can unsettle unsettle us and get us into this place of works he knows that he has us. He knows that he has us because we're now out of grace. We're now out of, we're not saved by works, saved by our grace. We're now out of grace. We're now out of God's favor. And we're and we're disconnected from the flow that gives us life. And now I'm spinning my wheels. and that's what's going on in this world today. We see it every day. The world is spinning their wheels, trying to be and to become and trying to acquire and what is it all it, all it is is leaves covering themselves up with covering ourselves up with leaves they felt like they weren't enough and now i got to cover myself now i got to have the job and i got to have the female i got to have the guy i got to have all these different things in order to be enough in order to feel like i fit in you know, just recently, you know, I, I kind of had this revelation even about myself. You know, I'm not like everybody. I'm not like everybody. I'm not as outgoing. I'm not the talkative type. I mean, I, I can be when I'm comfortable with people. or when I. But a lot of the times, I'm sitting back in the cuts, and I'm watching, and, and I'm observing. And I'm saying, okay, God, are you moving? God, are you speaking? I mean, that's just how I move. And for the longest, I was so insecure about that. Well, I'm not like you guys, and I I don't fit in, and and it had me feeling like I just wasn't enough, and just recently, God was like, brother, you got to love you for you. You are who you are, and you are enough. You are enough, and that's what we have to, in today's world, man, and it's like this world has become more and more just consumed with this, I got to be, and I got to, you know, as we say, what is it, Um, keep up with the Joneses, right? I got to. I gotta, I gotta have the hair, and I gotta have the latest TikTok, and I gotta, I gotta repeat the latest thing on Instagram, right on the little voiceover, whatever things those things are. I gotta, you know, I gotta do this, and I gotta do that, and I gotta be this, and I gotta be that, and I gotta look this way, look that way, and when the whole time, God is saying, "You are enough. You are enough. You are enough," and we compromise. And, and we find ourselves in crazy predicaments, and at the end of the day, we're we're going to bed still depressed, still sad, still lonely, wondering why God isn't moving the way that we think He in, in, in a way that we think He needs to move. And the whole time, God is saying, "I moved already. I need you to just rest. I need you to, to just rest, because it's in the resting that we'll begin to unlock everything else that God has for us." We can acquire it by works. We can acquire it by works. We can acquire it by covering ourselves because, check it, when God came walking in the cool of the day, their response, Adam's response to God was, we were afraid because we were naked and so we hid. But here's the thing they weren't naked. They were not naked. The scriptures are clear. They sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. It's like in the presence of God, no matter how much you try to put on, God sees right through you. He, he see, We can't cover ourselves up before a holy and righteous God. He said, we all stand before him naked. And it's not until we get to that place of understanding that all this stuff that we're trying to cover ourselves up with. If not Until we get to a place of understanding that that's not going to work, we're never going to fully be able to experience all that God has for us, y'all. You know? For real, we ain't going to never be able to fully experience it. It's like we got to take off the leave. God want to see us naked. And we talked about that a while back. He want to see us just as we are because he's saying you're good enough. You don't got to have you don't got to have the muscles you don't got to have the certain body type. You don't got to make a certain type. Of, you are enough, honey. You are enough, loved one. You are enough, dear. You are enough, son. You are enough, daughter. Just rest in me. And I'm telling you, when we get to that place, man, is when God will begin to blow our minds. He'll begin to make things happen for us that we
0: never even thought possible.
2: Man, I, I want to ask you our guys a question. Him.
0: Come on. John, I'd be like, you don't give them so much, bro. It's got to chill. You have to relax. It's too (laughs) much. Go on. So so you said said something crazy. You said, like, basically whatever you said, it made me realize that when Satan tempted them, it was the first time that the concept or the idea was introduced that if you do this if you eat this when you consume this then you will be like that that was that was a foreign concept because everything their blessing was 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 birthed out of what god had said you are blessed and i'm calling you to be fruitful to multiply you have dominion i've given i've called you to be who you are and i've made you who you are and that is good And then Satan said, but if you do this, you can be. And it's starting to make me realize how much like sin is interwoven sometimes into our understanding of our own identity. Like, can you imagine that that your identity is hinging on the fact that you believe that there's something that. You know there's something that is standing between who you're supposed to be and who you really are, and that thing is sinful in the in the sense that instead of relying on god to 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 breathe his breath and for you to live in that now you're depending on whatever you can do and when you said the leave thing bro that was that blew my mind. you said it's all leaves. All of it is leaves because it's what we're doing to try to be and to try to make up for what we're not. Mm-hmm. And so I want to ask this question because we talked about inward, but one thing I did, we didn't talk a little too much about was what does it really look like to even be confident in ourselves when we don't feel like, you know, we're the most beautiful, we're not the most intelligent, we're not powerful, we, we've sinned and all of these things that we have stained past what does it look like because God is calling us to love others as we love ourselves. But in this generation, I, 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 I think, I I wouldn't be crazy to say that the majority of people don't know what it means to love themselves. Mm -hmm. What does it look like to truly love yourself, love yourself the way that God would recommend to see yourself the way that God uh, desires for us to see? What does that look like real time? That's for you guys.
1: Um, uh, I, I can go first on that one um, i would I would say the the way that we really have to um, show that we love ourselves is first understanding that we have an inherited identity from God, we have an inherited identity from God, so we have to understand yes there if if we are born again believers because the Bible says those who um, those who God has called um, Sorry, in John 1, he talks about how he, those who he's called, he's made them children of God. So if you are a child of God, if you are someone who is born again, if you are someone who faith, repentance, baptism in water, baptism in spirit, then we have to understand that we have been born again, which means we have a new identity that's literally, we truly bear the image of God. So in that part of our identity, we should be confident Because it is not us, but God living in us and through us and expressing himself through us. And in that, we should be fully confident. It's in our flesh, our carnal nature, this thing that is opposed to God. There should be no confidence there. So I think a lot of people either recognize their sinful nature and say, I can't love myself because of this sinful nature, but that's not primarily who you are if you are in Christ. If you are not in Christ, then you have to repent and and turn to him because if not, that is who you are and you have to turn from that. And so I I would say if you are not a born again believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ, then people, they they should struggle with loving themselves because you have to recognize until you turn, you're, you're, you're mixed with good and evil. There's a part of you that is constantly opposed to God. But even in that, that should, that the fear, the Bible says, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Even in recognizing that, we should turn towards God, that we would love God with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, who's our first neighbor? We are our first neighbor. So the, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. So we have to, as disciples of Jesus, be committed to loving ourselves, loving God first and loving ourselves, because the way that we love ourselves dictates the way that we love our neighbor. So understanding that, if, if we internalize that we are truly image bearers of God, that we are truly uh, becoming like Jesus, that we are, we are truly able to do this, not through our own strength, but through the spirit of God living in us, that should make us full of love. And as we are full of love, we will then love others, but not love flowing from our carnal nature. And I think that's the issue. When there's not that distinction between this carnal nature and, and who we truly are, then it can be very hard to love ourselves because then the other side of it is people embrace their carnality and say, oh, well, well don't judge me because I, I'm, I, don't judge me or just hate the sin and not the sin of us. Like, no, 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 wait a minute. God does call us to judge and to be discerning. We should be working out our salvation with fear and trembling and seeing, okay, wherever there's this part of me that doesn't reflect the image of God, it needs to die. And the more that that dies, it actually enables us to love ourselves more because the the fleshly nature, this animalistic nature, or even the nature that comes from Satan, what is it? It's pride. And so pride, what does pride do? Compare. So when you're constantly looking at other people through the lens of comparison, you you're you're going to constantly think that you are not enough even if you have everything cuz what is the issue with Satan Satan was uh, according to the book of Isaiah was one of the highest angels in the presence of God he had everything but it wasn't enough he wanted to be God and all he could do was look at God's position and covet it and so that and that made him want to rebel and so it's the same with us when we look at God when we look at others who who have more if we are not then killing that part of ourselves and fixing our eyes on God, like it says in Hebrews, the author and perfecter of our faith. When we put our faith in God and we trust in him, that actually is what gives us the ability to love ourselves. And that's why scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God because without faith, you will trust without faith in God, you will trust in that part of our, in that part of our nature that that is opposed to God. And, and so when we embrace that we'll actually be able to walk in love with ourselves well first with god and then in walking love with god understanding we have this inherited identity from him and that we've inherited we are children's and we are kings the bible says we are co-heirs with christ and so when we understand man i have God, I have the same call as Adam to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion. I have the same call as Adam to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Jesus. I have the same call as Adam. I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God in, its, in its, uh, all of its beauty and its power is available to me. I have now a family of people who are like me, a, a group of people who are becoming like Jesus. When we realize the abundance of the kingdom of God and the nature of the abundant God that we serve, it is very easy to love ourselves and then to love others appropriately. But, but uh, let me not, I'll stop. So I don't go on a tangent further, but I'll say that that would be how we can embrace that. Having a, a new paradigm of who we are in Christ and walking in that by the spirit of God.
0: So far, so far, so far. Thank you for that, brother. Elisha, you jumped in, man. You tapping in what you got?
3: Um, Man, y'all, I've been listening a little bit, y'all y'all going in, per usual. Um, I know Justin was in Genesis 3, and I was reading it um, last week and just a little bit more this week, and one thing I noticed is when Eve was talking to uh, the devil, she actually added instructions, she actually added words to what God said that he never said. And and it made me think about how, you know, the effects of sin and what it does and what she did in that moment, what she allowed the devil to do, what she allowed sin to do, was actually make God more restrictive than he actually was. She told the devil, hey, I can't even touch the fruit. God never said that. And it got me thinking about how sin not only causes disobedience, but it causes me to rewrite who God is. It causes me to literally redefine His very nature. And I think when we're talking about inward, if in if 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 inside of me, if in my in my old self, I don't have an accurate depiction, an accurate understanding of who God is. And if now he is not a loving God, but sin has now I've now allowed sin to tell me he is a restrictive God, I've now allowed sin to tell me he um is a God that is a dictator, right? I've now allowed sin to tell me um just simply something that the Lord never said, my obedience then becomes literally impossible. I can't I can't even operate I can't even be a son because I'm going to be serving a non-existent God. And and some people may look at that and be like, oh, like, you know, she said touch is not that big of a deal. Again, that's that's an effect of sin. It tells you that, oh, yeah, you can just add this here, you can add this there. And then before you know it, you're serving a God that looks nothing like the God of the Bible. Hmm. And so sin has this cumulative nature, right? sin has this compounding effect where it gets you to do one little thing here and one little thing there. John says all the time. It's it, In the Bible, it talks about it, it. says, be holy for I am holy. Holiness is not, com- it, it doesn't come with compromise. You know what I'm saying? You cannot, you can't a la carte holiness. <laughs> you either are or you aren't. You know what I'm saying? But when we're talking about sin and, and the inwards effect of it, I thought that was so powerful because in that very moment, Eve had no idea who God truly was. She did not have any concept of his of his actual instruction. And so, therefore, that put her in a more susceptible place to be deceived. She wasn't deceived out of, you know, I think our deception isn't always because the devil is just so powerful. I think sometimes our deception is because we are far from God. We aren't as close to him as we would think. And so we start saying, oh, the devil made me do this. Oh, the devil got all this power. Oh, the devil is this. The devil is that. And it's like, okay. If God lives in you, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you, and you're saying to me that the devil has this control over you, well, we got to go back and walk this back because if the spirit of God lives in you, there has to be something in you that tells you, nah, like that's not it. You know what I'm saying? But I think a a part of it is we we miss we miss just how pivotal it is to be um, to be so almost dogmatic in following those instructions. And so I I, I just want to add that I thought as I was reading Genesis three I thought that was very interesting that she told that she said God said something that He didn't say and I'm and, like how, yeah. how 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 much how many of us are out here misrepresenting God because of our own sin
0: whatever Elisha He's just gonna come on here and just <laughs> like rain fire praise no, God we redefine God that was so good man we redefine God. And that changes everything because once God has redefined his character, the essence of who he is, then how we reflect him changes like one of the sisters say. Um, and then now we have, we have to, we have to, the, the, the appeal of rebellion then is that much stronger because why not rebel against a God who is just that irrational, who, who's not a kind God, who's not a loving God. But you, when you look at, when you look at, all of when I I talked about this before, but when you look at God's commands, to be honest, I've I've said this before. I didn't like reading about reading the Ten Commandments. It was just it felt like such a weight. Thou shalt not lie heavy, boom. Thou shalt not steal, boom. Like and when you read the law, it just feels so heavy. And I believe, yes, I believe God wanted to reveal his standard, but also. You know, when you look at the law, and just, I love how Jesus summarized it. It's all about what God considered as valuable. In all of his law, he, he wanted us to be able to understand that there are things that needed to be preserved on this earth. And he called us called us as stewards for those particular things. And so he's calling us not to do certain things because he wants to preserve those things that he considers valuable. Those things that he loves, and if we look at it like that, then sinning or 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 moving in a way that is anti God or anti His commandment is literally we 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 have our arrows up against the things that God places value over. Like you say, you just want to you're you're trying to fornicate because yes yeah, are your body, but God's saying, but that's my temple. I wanted to protect you from you. And you think that you just, but, but I'm just trying to have a good time. But he was like, but I'm trying to preserve you from you because there is a call attached to you. And when you disobey me and when you break my commandments, you're not just missing a mark. You're, you're disaligning yourself from a path that I'm trying to put you, I'm trying to protect you, I'm trying to keep you. Same way when we, we tell our kids, hey, do this, take a bath, they feel They feel like, you know, my parents are mean, like they don't like me. It's just like, no, we love you. We we, we want you to smell good. We don't want you to catch disease. We want you, like, and, and so it's making me rethink, you know, the fear that I had uh, when it came to just God, like I used, used to be so, I used to be scared of God in an unhealthy way. I'm like, I'm not going to Deuteronomy. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, right. I'm not gonna touch yeah. it because God was so mean. And that's mm-hmm. and that's how we perceive it in that ignorance i i'm a, I'm gonna yeah. let us wrap we gotta wrap up in like five minutes and then we yeah. gonna let it close out with a prayer any any final thoughts yeah that's that's kind of wild though how that whole conversation started with the
2: enemy how he first started it out with um asking did God truly say you cannot eat of any of the trees so he already started out with suggesting that god God was somehow this restrictive um Unreasonable God, right? Because he—they've already tasted of all the trees, other than the one. They've already tasted, it. and we talked mm-hmm. about this last week. How good it was, right? And so he comes with that introduction. You know, is God really restrictive? Is God really being a tyrant over y'all, right? And then now here she responds to him, adding, like Elisha said, something that God never said. Yeah, he said, don't don't eat of it. Don't even touch it. Right, and so now now when she feeds into this idea of this, of this restrictive God is when he just just yeah. deals the blow. Yeah. And he just goes straight up, no, you won't, you won't surely die. And he just straight up attacks straight, like, with no pulling back. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Just straight accusations against God because he now has her, right, in, mm. this con- in, the, in this conversation of, you know, is God restrictive? Is God mean? And that's what we all wrestle with. It, you know, is God – you know, does God really love me? Is God mean? Is God out to uh, to to kill me? Is God out to destroy me? Can God be trusted? Right? Um, yes. And 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 this is the thing that creates bondage. You know what I'm saying? The law creates bondage. It's another form of law. You know what I'm saying? That's why the law never saves. It's grace, which goes back to your original question, Ezekiel. How do we get to this place of loving ourselves? It's not by being better, doing better getting strength to, you know, I I like what Justin said, all of those are fruits to to a foundation. And the foundation is receiving the forgiveness of God. That's how it all starts of me having faith to believe, having having love for myself and having love for God. I got to first be able to receive God's forgiveness for me. I gotta know that I've been forgiven, that I am loved by God and that I've been forgiven. I'm loved by God, even though I messed up. Even though I messed up, like God's love, the way God's love intersects me, intercepts me, the way that God's love is deposited within me is by me first acknowledging the fact that I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. Through the blood of Jesus Christ and whoever of us that have wrestled with this self-love and all of this, man, God sees us as naked and he still forgives us. He sees all of our sin. We talked about this a while back. None of our sin intimidates God. No amount of darkness in our lives can intimidate God. You know what I'm saying? God receives us. God Forgives us and if we can just simply receive that forgiveness we'll find that love for ourselves. We'll find that acceptance for ourselves because I've been accepted by the one and only opinion that ever really matters and that will ever really matter. You know what I'm saying? So come on I'll, I'll stop right there. Come on
1: Justin. Um. Yeah I, I think e- even bouncing off that I think we we have to begin with receiving the love of god but we also have to go further because when we look at i think the apostles even the 12 apostles that jesus handpicked where they failed was a lack of killing of that sinful nature and that's where we see that transition in the book of acts that god says what jesus says as god hey i'm going to give weight in Jerusalem. I'm going to give you the power from on high to be witnesses. And, and I think that's part of it. We have to to truly conquer this sinful nature. We really have to receive God, not just his forgiveness, but we have to receive his spirit, but not just his spirit, his power. Because check this in Luke 4, and as we close, I won't we'll spend long on this, but I, I feel like this is an important part of inward. We see Jesus, it says, he was baptized in water. The Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Holy Spirit sent him into the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days, praying and fasting. Satan tempts him in this place of of fasting and prayer, uh, physically, his flesh at its weakest, but spiritually at his strongest. And when he conquers that through, again, abiding in the word, you see that even when Satan used scripture to try to trick him, he was so abided as the living word of God that even Satan manipulating Psalms 91 could not trick him to disobey God. That was a conquering of the flesh. And and that's where there's that maturity because where there's not a conquering of the flesh, there cannot be spiritual maturity. And so when Satan comes up against those of us, even as repented, baptized in water, spirit-filled believers, if there is no power When Satan comes at us we will flee but we see in Acts 2 there's this transition when the power comes upon them they now have this boldness and then even when they're facing physical and spiritual persecution throughout the book of Acts they have the power to stand as witnesses to say we are sons of God like Jesus the son of God and we are going to make disciples even in the face of this and that's where Christianity was able to spread because there was this conquering Of the flesh and so I think we have to see the forgiveness of God but when we look at the state of Christianity the issue is there is not a dealing with the inward part the inward both in this pride and the inward both in 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 the animalistic nature when we conquer both of those God can can release the fullness of his inheritance to us as mature sons because Galatians says that the immature son is like a slave so we are sons of God but why we are not experiencing the fullness of this inward conquering like Jesus is that if we remain with a lack of maturity because of we're not conquering the flesh, we are still immature. But when we conquer this inward that allows us to mature because you know, Jesus didn't stay, baby Jesus He said he grew it in wisdom and in stature. You know what I'm saying? We need to mature like baby Jesus to man Jesus and come and go through our wilderness and conquer the flesh, that inward part that we may do the works of God and demonstrate the fullness of his nature as sons, as both children of God, but also as kings, queens, as co-heirs in Christ. So that's my final thoughts with that.
0: Y'all are on some other uh, stuff we're going <laughs> to think out. So the key things that I'm taking away from this, John said the foundation of that is first got to accept who God says we are. we got to accept his love. we got to accept his forgiveness. But don't stay there. This is what Justin is right. saying. Don't just stop at, you know, he loves me and he's forgiven me. But understand that there is power, that there is power that is knocking on the door. And that power cannot be released if we refuse to deal with this nature that is already crouching at the door. Sin is crouching at the door. This simple nature has not stopped and will not stop. I mean, if Satan was had the, the audacity to tempt Jesus in his most powerful spiritual state, who are you, and so we what we we got to start at because we don't have identity until we accept who God says we are, but don't just right. stop at this uh conceptual understanding I'm forgiven and I'm loved and I'm cool, but understand that there is power, there's a call that God is calling us to so i I, I appreciate that walk that, and I love that spiritual maturity part. that's something that i'm pray- I, I, I definitely want you to pray on tonight as we close this thing up.
1: Oh, <laughs> pray okay yes sir um well holy spirit we just we just thank you for this time uh we 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 just thank you because we love you and we invite you when you say we're two or three are gathered you are present so i pray that you've been present with us through this time and be with every single person under the sound of my voice both now and in the replay god uh, holy spirit move on them god for, for those of For those who need faith, God, give them faith. For those who need repentance, God, turn their hearts away from sin and towards you and let them see how loved and forgiven they are that they would accept you. For those who need to be washed, in renewed and born again through water, God, convict them that in their repentance that they would take that next step. For those who need the, the fullness of your spirit, God, come upon them, that they would speak in new tongues as newborn children in Christ. And for those who have all those things, but know that there's more, God, move upon them, that they would mature in you, that they would receive power from on high, that you would Charge them as witnesses that they would stand before you and for the world and before the angels and before the devils and proclaim that you are Lord and demonstrate this God make us mature grow us up God you have not come for a, a, a immature bride you've come for a, a mature bride washed in, in the water of your word, spotless and without blemish, mature us individually as sons and daughters of God, mature us corporately as your bride, uh, that we would grow, uh, knitly join and become the full stature of you. Lord, I pray according to your word that we would not be blown by every wind of doctrine, that we would not be deceived by the deceitfulness of men, that all of us would, 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 would truly trusting you and mature that all of us would be like the people of Berea and go back to your word and abide in it and see if what we have preached here is true That every person would, would work out their salvation with fear and trembling and that they would grow from, from babies to children, from, from, from children uh, to, to, Teenagers from teenagers to, to men, to men, to fathers and mothers in the faith. God, let the people on this call be raised up as fathers and mothers in the faith. In their sonship, let them become like the Son of God. God, uh we, we, we just pray that you would touch every single one of us, that you fill us up with your fire, that you fill us up with your holiness, that that we would we would grow in maturity, that we would pray and that we would fast and that we would consecrate and that we would place our identity in you and you only and that we would crucify the flesh and walk in accordance with your spirit so that we could we could truly live out your prayer and say let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I pray that this word that came from us is like manna, God, and that it, it feeds your people and that they would go back, strengthen God. And for those who needed the milk from this, let them receive milk. For those who needed the bread from this, let them receive bread and honey. And, and for those who needed the meat from this, let them receive the meat and let every single person hear exactly what their ears need to hear in order that they would, would grow in you, consume what they need in you, and, and exercise it in authority, knowing that they are sons and daughters of God. We love you, God. We worship you. We praise you because you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Elohim of Elohim, the God of gods. And let every other false God uh, submit to you right now in the name of Jesus Christ and let everyone have a fresh fire of, of your spirit just stirring in them and that everyone would be touched Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray in your mighty and matchless name, Jesus, in full agreement with your Holy Spirit and your Holy Spirit alone, as your children, as your sons. Amen and amen. Amen.
0: Amen. amen. Thank you, family. Love you. Thank you, Justin. This is your uh, introduction. To these <laughs> lives. You did an amazing job. Thanks, John. Yeah, Great Thank job, you. JT. I learned a lot. Y'all, y'all, like, y'all, my big bros in the faith, man. I, I learned so much. Thank you guys so much. All right, family. You guys, the podcast right, uh, tomorrow, man, to tap in. And if you guys want to tap into Bandit Brothers on Sundays, you guys can tap in as well. Uh, the link is in the Bandit Brothers community. Love y'all. Peace. Good night. Peace. And thank you. Blessings. God bless you, bro. Oops. <laughs>